Hey, everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Top Hill Recording. Hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording Podcast, episode 27. What's going on, Neil? What's up, buddy? How you doing? Another good night, man. Another great guest. We've got Robert Henry with us tonight. How you doing, Robert? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Man, yeah. thanks for being here. Absolutely. And you're coming to us. You're in South Dakota at the moment. Is that right? I'm in Spearfish, South Dakota, just a couple towns over from the big Sturgis rally. That was going to be and, my uh, next question. I was wondering how close you were to Sturgis. Yeah, just a few miles right down the road. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Crazy timing. So that's always a that's always a hot item in the news and it's uh it's got a little different reason to be a hot item in the news this year. Two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. people gathering. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get going, Robert, I'm gonna pour some Elijah Craig Kentucky bourbon, Neil. We're going back to an old favorite here. All right. <laughs> Robert, are you a bourbon drinker? You know, every once in a while, I'm I'm definitely more of a beer guy. Yeah. Uh, domestic light and cold. I, I'm actually having an angry orchard along with my bourbon tonight. So. <laughs> All right. All right. I don't know what I'm doing. So Elijah Craig is uh, that's one of my favorites that that you can get regularly. So, even though you're not here with us, Robert, cheers. 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 I got I got my Coors Light going right now. Right on. Okay. All right. Cheers, man. <laughs> Why don't you start? for our listeners and take us back to early life and and when you first knew music was important to you or what your first memories are when when you felt like music was going to be something big in your life um i'm originally from florida i was born in winter park which, which is just north of orlando my parents were floridians before you know orlando was orlando so they're definitely they were definitely raised with more of a southern influence so it was a lot of country music, a lot of Southern rock, especially them being from Florida. You know, the Outlaws, Allman Brothers, uh, mm -hmm. Skinner, mm -hmm. Molly Hatchet. Um, you know, there was when they were in high school and stuff, there was a pretty big Southern rock scene down there. We always listened to a lot of music. I didn't really know that it was something that I wanted to do until high school um, because I, I pretty much just wasn't good at anything else. Um, and I picked up a guitar and... <laughs> And I figured out, hey, man, you know, I'm not that big of a dude. I, I got my bell rung a couple times in a freshman football, decided that wasn't for me. And uh, I figured out that the ladies like the guys that can play and sing on a guitar just as much as they like the star quarterback. So <laughs> I'm pretty Four sure more. at 15, that was a pretty big part of the decision. <laughs> not a bad decision man so did you start yeah. off with southern rock was that what you started to learn to play um i actually when i first started playing guitar i was a huge into uh uh heavy metal oh okay um yeah i liked iron maiden i liked black sabbath judas priest metallica slayer all that stuff so all have you ever painted stuff. your fingernails black Never did that. Never did that. <laughs> but I, I did sew my own patch jacket, and I had hair. Nice. There you down, go. Down, you know, way past my shoulders. Had had the wallet with the chain on it, and the high top Reeboks, and you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the the patch jacket brought back memories, man. I was seeing that in my head as you were saying it. <laughs> yeah. I had a, 
Iron Maiden's second album uh, with Eddie with the axe. Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah, uh, that was that was my back patch. And then I had all the other, you know, I had a Slayer patch and a Metallica and all all the bands. Nice. So. Is, are there other members of your family in music? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother is. Um, I'm the oldest of four, and my brother has perfect pitch. Oh wow! Uh, he run he runs a choir program at a school in uh, Melbourne, Florida, over on the coast. Okay. And my next brother is a huge music fan. Uh, at one point, he played piano and did a little bit of saxophone but he's more he's got a podcast actually like you guys where he reviews music and uh reviews movies and talks about sports and I, he's kind of all over the place but he's he's kind of in that world nice what's what uh, what's the name of his podcast oh gosh he's changed the name so many times i couldn't <laughs> tell you that's not good uh, for marketing <laughs> yeah it's a uh, lazy panda media i like but, it <laughs> um but yeah, and he helps out with the business side of the band too, awesome. you know, just logistics, and he he helps get this tour together and stuff. So um, I have a feeling we're going to end up hiring him on at some point. And then my sister uh, is huge into musical theater. Uh, she starred in a lot of the plays when she was in school, younger, and now she goes to Belmont and she's a musical theater major. Oh wow. And that is not a, so she, she was, must, uh, she has to be good because Belmont is not an easy school to get into, as we know. <laughs> it is not easy to get into. I mean, I'm pretty sure depending on what your major is, you have to actually have to apply like with a, like singing submission on video. Like they have to make sure that you're actually like what you say you are. I'll tell you what, if she ever went the um, touring musician route, she would outpace me very quickly because she's a better singer and a better songwriter. Wow. Good compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're from Florida. Where do you call home now? Uh, Oregon. I grew up in Oregon. I am definitely consider myself an Oregonian. Did not grow up in Portland, though. I always make sure to make that distinction because <laughs> you bring up Oregon these days, especially at this big biker rally. Oh, yeah. I you can know, imagine. I think, I think we all know what side of the aisle they usually fall on. Yeah. You say Oregon, and they're like, oh, how do you live there? <laughs> I'm like, well, the the rest of the state is gorgeous farmers and ranchers and loggers and fishermen and you know, it's pretty normal folks. Portland is is pretty weird, but the rest of the state is, I mean, you'd think you're in a place like this, like South Dakota. Or, so when uh, you started getting interested in playing guitar and and doing that around high school, so what? Uh, when did you start playing guitar? Fifteen. I think I was fourteen when I got my first guitar. Okay, and and how how long did, were you playing guitar before you started kind of tinkering with writing your own stuff? Oh, a good probably three years at least. Yeah, what led to that transition? Was it just um, got tired of play, got tired of playing covers, or you know, I mean, to be you know seventeen, eighteen, and start writing original music? That's pretty. Or the transition from metal to <laughs> traditional country. <laughs> yeah, how did, how did that come about? Or did you write? Did you initially write metal? What did you initially write? Was it always country? It was always country. I mean, we we wrote like stupid songs for that metal band. Um, I mean, not anything that I would consider real, you know, any real approach to trying to write a real song. We were teenagers. It was, we were just having fun. But I made the, so I always grew up with country. Like, because my parents were huge country fans. And 
a lot of people don't know this about me, but I actually went to Catholic school for most of my grade school. And um, I just kind of went through a rebellious phase when I got out of there. And I wanted to listen to heavy metal. And that's that's the route I went. And then when my voice changed, or I mean, my voice was already kind of getting deep when I was 14, 15. But then when it really came into itself, when I was, you know, 17, 18, and it had fully developed, I kind of came back around to the country because I couldn't sing, you know, like, like the guys in heavy metal, that, that high soaring vocal, mm-hmm. um, at least in the, in the old stuff. Uh, I just, I didn't have that range. And I was like, man, I can sing this uh, country stuff that I grew up on pretty well. So that's, that's where the shift came. What country artist were you listening to with you, with your parents or were you hearing around the house? Oh, at bef- that time? before you answer that, let me ask you a, a specific, were you a junior Brown fan by any chance? Oh yeah. Oh, I, the, the last song on your, on your right, latest, uh, uh, EP album in the works, man. I, the whole time I was going, going to Highway Patrol. It's so, it just, it has that feel, man. It's so, oh, it feels so good. I was like, oh man, that is it right there. I loved it. So yeah, that's, that's awesome that you say that because there's a couple songs on the EP that are definitely a Junior Brown influence. Nice. Um, that Drop D song, um, the uh, Canadian Border. Yes. Where I'm doing like, it's kind of like a choppy, almost like a Bakersfield sound, but I'm I'm tuned down a full step and mm-hmm. um I'm I'm doing that little bluegrass run at the end of the the lick. Yes. That's definitely influenced by Junior Brown and then the very last song on the EP that lick that I'm doing that kind of repeats through the song is almost almost ripped from a Junior Brown record. I oh. I changed it up enough that it's mine but you can you can really hear I'm glad you said that. Oh, I love it, man. I, I, that's uh, my neighbor, who is a, I think he's 72 year old. He introduced me to Junior Brown when I was 16. So we would sit over and listen to Junior Brown and uh, you know Dwight Yoakam and all the greats of, of old country music, and which he still listens to to this day. Man, I was educated on Junior Brown, so I assumed there was such a instant tone when it, when that especially the last song started uh kicking i was like man that is awesome <laughs> is that uh something better something better it kind of sounds like uh oh what's the song it's good to see you baby it's been a long yes. long while yeah and that yeah. sounded it's amazing that, <laughs> that blues chord progression the one four five mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 definitely a huge junior brown influence why don't, we, uh, why don't we go ahead and listen to a little bit of something better? Right, Is it too early it. in the podcast to right. get into music? No. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's listen to it. There must be something better With all the times like these So make up your mind Don't leave me walking the floor It's not really what I want But I'll walk out that door It seems you forgot That steel guitar, man, it just sits in there so pretty, too. <laughs>
yeah, he uh, texted me after we did that session and he goes, uh, uh, I'm sorry if I overplayed. You can edit it out when you go in and do the masters with the producer. I said, <laughs> we left you all that space because I wanted you to play the damn steel guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, I'm not taking any of that out. Hell no. That is, man. He, the funny part, seriously, the whole time I was listening to uh, your new, because I, I listened to it all today and I headed over the garage and I was cranking and I kept waiting for my neighbor to walk out and come over and be like, what is going on over here? Who is this? <laughs> I was kind of excited uh, to be able to introduce him to a new person that has, you know, a, such an amazing, awesome sound that I know that is, he'll love. But I know here's the, here's the problem with a 71, 72 year old neighbor who loves Junior Brown. He is not up to date on technology, man. He doesn't have anything yeah. that I can plug an MP3 into <laughs> over there. I'm you have gonna, to get him a CD. I'm, I'm going back as far yeah, as he goes. Yeah, for sure. Or some you know what? When we're uh, when we're all done with this, we'll exchange info, and uh, once we get the vinyl and CDs pressed, I'll just send you guys one. Or oh. I'll send you a few. Hand them out. Oh, will you sign it? Yeah, of course. Hell yeah! Yeah, yes, man. That'd be awesome. Hell yeah! Thank you. So, Robert, who is in the Robert Henry Band? Uh, so we got me. I play a little bit of lead guitar, mostly vocals, and then I play rhythm. Um, Kenny Hines uh, plays the the Telecaster licks on the lead guitar, and then we got uh, Bob Littleton on the pedal steel, Jim Lowell's on the bass guitar, and Jake Morrow on drums. Now, did I read that Jake was with you all the way back in high school in that first metal band? Did I read that somewhere? Jake was the drummer for Bigger Trigger, yes. Bigger okay. Trigger. <laughs> that is a wonderful band name, man. Wonderful band name. Wow. <laughs> he actually wrote that song, uh, Something Better. Oh, really? Cool. That's that's the only um, one on the on this EP that I didn't write. You know what's yeah. crazy and about it is, it is it really gets that influence that uh, is such a big influence to you, but it must also have some type of influence on him to be able to write like that and n- nail uh, not only the groove of the old school, but nail your groove, man. That's you know what that really means that you've been together so long that he knows you in and out and what type of songs that you know you would kill. Yeah, um, it's really fun. I mean, we'll we'll be up on stage sometimes, and when it's working, I'll just turn around and give him a grin, and he just looks <laughs> right back at me, and we're <laughs> it's it's fun. He's really into. Um, that that old school like he likes stuff from like the 40s and 50s he's a huge Ernest Tubb fan he really likes Hank Snow and um you can really I mean that song there, there's nothing cryptic going on in the lyrics and he really wrote it in the the style of the old honky-tonk music mm-hmm. um you know he's, he's just saying exactly how he felt at the time and it's not fancy he's not you know using any it ain't uh John Prine or Towns Van Zandt I mean, he just, he just kind of scribbled down some stuff, but it works for the style of song. Well, that's kind of what's beautiful about it, too, man. I mean, sometimes it's nice just to be to not have to think about things and go, okay, this song is about this because this is there's no hiding what it's about. It's awesome to sometimes not have to go, well, what does this song mean to you? So, Robert, you're probably in the only area of the U.S. where you can uh, can be touring. So, yeah, man, tell us about what in the heck is going on uh, where you are. You are, like Brad just said, probably in the one area in the country that is allowing music on stage and just kind of 
no regulation, really. I mean, how are you guys holding up in that environment? You all doing all right up there? I've, I've watched a couple of your live shows live stream, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's a taste of a little bit of normalcy. It's been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, traveling with. I mean, we got a couple old timers in the band, so we're we're wearing our masks when we when we can. Um, we're we're kind of we're not doing a lot of back slapping and handshaking and stuff. As and it's more. I mean, they're saying that people can carry this thing and and not know it. Mm-hmm. So guys like me and Jake that are in our twenties. I'm not really worried about getting it, but I don't, I don't want to pass it on to somebody else. And then somebody's grandma dies before they're supposed to. And we're being as safe as we can in this environment. Um, there's not a lot of precautions being taken, but we as, as Robert Henry band are doing everything we can to, to keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. but it's, it's, it's fun as hell. These bikers <laughs> are, are a hoot. Oh yeah, man. I guarantee it. Sturgis has a, has a, a reputation for a reason. It's not because they, they, uh, do a lot of hand holding and praying <laughs> no no in any place where attendance is down 50 percent and you still have a quarter of a million people <laughs> that's a that's quite a show oh yeah yeah <laughs> well a lot of those guys i saw uh have been there since like july early july they've been man i've been here since the beginning of the month yeah. <laughs> so they're going with it yeah which hey man i think some of those guys live there yeah, yeah, they do now. Like a, they're like a primary yeah. island or something they live on. Or they call it the island or something. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's been really fun. And I was I was a little bit worried being a country band what the reception was going to be like because, you know, bikers want to hear the Skinner and the ZZ Top and the, and the more hard rock stuff. I mean, as soon as we started playing, they were all over it. They, mm-hmm. they know all the Waylon, all the David Allen Coe, all the Johnny Paycheck. Oh, yeah. I mean... That's We're kind of keeping it towards the outlaw side because the bikers like that stuff. But mm-hmm. oh yeah, dude, I figured y'all would have been right in. My wife used to uh, run a bike night for Texas Roadhouse down here, and and they the variety of music they really like. They definitely love the southern rock, uh, mm-hmm. but they like the they love old school country. Man, you play some old school country, you're in. Yeah, and you, and you got yeah. it naturally, man. You're uh, even your original stuff is so good and key towards that. It's awesome. Yeah, that, well, thank you. I've, so you said you and Jake are in your 20s, so you guys are, are young guys with old souls then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're definitely old souls. I mean, all we do after the shows is we we play country music, and then we finish a show, and we have a few beers, and we listen to country music, and it's all old school. <laughs> we we love it, man. It's it's so much fun. It's such a, a unique part of our our culture as Americans, and, and that's – you know, me being a big history buff, I love knowing all the backstory of all the songs. I love knowing the stories behind the songs. I love knowing who the producer was, who wrote it, who recorded it first, who picked it up where, who owns the rights to it. I I, I love all that stuff. Who played on the record? Um, so, you say your history buff is it like American history or just musical history? Or I was always into American history ever since I was a kid, um, and then the music history came later once I started getting really into music. I'm just really good at, uh, remembering useless information when I would hear something or I'd watch something like a Ken, like I watched that Ken Burns documentary on country music. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm good at retaining stuff and I, I like to know the trivia and that comes from, you know, me being into history from a young age. Do you have any like mind blowers for us in music history? That's like, you'll never believe this song was written by or, 
how it traveled or anything like that? Not, oh, man. Not to put you on the spot. Tough question, man. Neil. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I could tell you guys anything that you wouldn't know. Um, oh, you'd be surprised at all the stuff I don't know. <laughs> like you'd be surprised at all the stuff I don't know. Um, <laughs> and you know more than I do. <laughs> I would have to think about that and get back to you. All right, well, if something comes to mind while we're uh, talking, you got to throw it in there. Yeah. So uh, here's the, the, the one... Uh, probably lie of a music story that we've heard so far so we we um since we started this podcast we're in louisville kentucky and we've been keyed in at lebanon kentucky in the what 50s 60s 70s yeah 50s and 60s yeah was it in central kentucky was this gigantic hot spot for music um mm. all these people would come through uh you know uh everybody the jimmy hendrix the, yeah, yeah it's insane anybody you want to name and so the 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 story goes that little richard wrote the song tutti frutti about somebody in lebanon kentucky so yeah. that that that's the uh as good as i can do for you on any type of musical i'm history. impressed neil <laughs> how you about re- that yeah you remember facts I, or, every now and again well, or, or facts. was told us as a fact <laughs> it could be it. anything that's told to me and said this is a story is a fact <laughs> <laughs> all right man so uh i was kind of looking over some some stuff today and I saw that you had a, a song. Tell me about the st- song "Storm the Gate." Uh, before we get into even the song, this this song got some real notoriety. You won an award, a songwriting award for this song, um, and, and I listened to it and I loved it. Tell me what this song or where this song came from. It's actually funny that this one has gotten the most attention because there's other songs on the EP that I took a lot more time on and, and really tried to craft a song. And um, this one I, I wrote in just a couple hours, and I, it, it was when I was mad. So maybe maybe I should get pissed off more. And I'll, I'll write better <laughs> um, so I was in a songwriting session with um, this producer in, in Nashville that my booking agent had hooked me up with. I, I don't think we were really connecting on uh, the type of country music that I wanted to make. Nashville's version of old school country and my version of old school country are two totally different things. They're old um, school countries like Garth Brooks in the nineties right now, it seems like. Exactly. Yeah. I mean and you know what? Everybody's musical journey is different and I, I'm not here to call anybody out because everybody has a different song in their heart and we should all be able to sing it. Mm-hmm. But people are, are they talk about, you know, guys like Luke Combs like they're bringing old school country back. <laughs> and to which I say hilarious you can say any any anybody who says uh long neck ice cold beer never broke their heart doesn't drink enough beer that's all i'm gonna say i'm I'm sick all these happy damn songs um hey man you talk old school country you're right yeah um so anyways uh i digress i'm i'm in this songwriting session and he kept talking about, oh, man, we got to get the songs past the gatekeepers. There's all the people who make the decisions in the music business on what gets played on the radio and what doesn't get played on the radio. I said to him, I, I was like, there's, I don't know if you listen to FM country radio lately, but uh, there's not a whole hell of a lot of country music on it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, our first disconnect was, since when do I get care about, you know, pandering to clear channel to be on the top 40 
uh, country station. I don't, I don't care about that. I want to make my music and the people who like it will listen. And the beautiful thing about Spotify, Apple music, independent podcasts like you guys is the people who want to hear it are going to seek it out. And we have a niche online with Instagram and everything and Facebook to target the people who are going to give a damn. Mm -hmm. So why just throw out a, a blanket, whatever, and say, please play my songs and, and try to pander to whoever the hell the gatekeepers are <laughs> when the idea of even having a record label is going the way of the damn dinosaur. Mm -hmm. It's a whole new world. You can, you, you can carve out your own path in music these days. You don't have to be playing in some dive bar and get lucky and have some producer from Nashville bring you in there and polish you up. You can do whatever the hell you want, and that's what we're doing. Was that a pivotal moment for you there? I mean, a lot of people would have been tempted there and someone trying to, you know, turn them towards what the gatekeepers want to hear and, and turn that way, and, and you held your ground. Was that, was that like a turning point where you're like— Before you finish that, what did you do in that session? before the the decision to, to to write that song did you go with it did you kind of like not back down a little bit but but let the guy run the show and just eh or did you put your foot down and be what 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 did you do in that yeah, session to make go. yourself flip that switch so uh one thing you guys should know about me is that I'm very passive and I do mm -hmm. not like confrontation very much almost to a fault that's me man um, I'm with you <laughs> yeah so during the session, we were just writing songs that I just was not feeling them. I knew that once I got in the studio and I was in the isolation booth doing my final vocal, I wouldn't be able to put belief, no belief. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The belief, the passion, the, the, the just realness. I just, I wasn't connecting with the lyrics we were writing and, and he kept talking about the gatekeepers. So he leaves and we're staying in the apartment that's attached to the the office for this, the, the label that I was working with was just like, who the hell are the gatekeepers and how can we storm the gate? And I'm like, in my head, I'm picturing a bunch of dudes with guitars, like storming Helm's deep <laughs> in the, in the second, uh, <laughs> in the second Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, that was, that was a moment for me where I was like, this isn't working. I recorded actually, I think four or five songs in that session and we only used two of them because dark side and storm the gate are, are both uh, with the studio guys in Nashville. And it, it sounds great musically. It's, it's awesome. The other two didn't want to put out one of them uh, was a song that I wrote years ago. Um, one of, one of the first songs I ever wrote, we ended up changing the words and I kind of backed down there a little bit and then I listened to it back once I got the masters back and I was just like, I don't like that. So we didn't release that one. And then there was one I kind of experimented with. It was my compromise song and I listened to that back and I just thought it was kind of stupid. So I didn't use it. So dark side going from the title, did that come from that same mindset that that session put you into or that one? Actually I had written a couple years back. That song was just, I wrote it from the perspective of, you know, a guy that has a dark side and, and he's, he's basically apologizing. I guess it's a version of me. See, as a songwriter, you can kind of make stuff up. Whoever it is singing the song is a songwriter and a, a, a musician. And 
you know, obviously there's alcoholism and, and anger and, and those type of issues that come up in country songs. And he's basically apologizing to his woman who I think she left. I don't know. I'll leave it up to you guys. That's the beautiful thing about songwriting. <laughs> um, but he's apologizing to her because this is the first time he's wrote a love song for her and it's, and it's mm-hmm. the song is an apology. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, man. I heard that one earlier, which is, uh, uh both of these tunes we're talking about now are on the, the new record that just came out. Was that last weekend that it came out? Last Friday, right? Last Friday? Out, came out on Friday the 7th, yeah. August 7th, which this will be the 21st. You talked about uh, this is going to be a later release, so this will definitely be out when we're when we're doing this. But, man, I listened straight through, and every song is, I think, is awesome. But on Dark Side in particular, I, yeah, you definitely get the feel of of that. It is a, it's a love letter where you're... Uh, where you're it's an apology love letter it's crazy it's it's a really well written song let's listen to it do you want to listen to it yeah yeah let's hear a little bit sure. love it man that's nice i cannot wait to play these songs for frank wilson i'm telling you he is gonna cry (laughs) he's gonna cry i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna put it on instagram if i can sneak a camera he don't like cameras but i'm fine sneak one you're gonna make him cry man (laughs) you'll have to have you have to have robert sign one of those to to frank oh yeah hey to uh yeah and we'll work it out to frank nice garage that's all you got to say on there So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah we'll, that's we'll work that out for sure. Heck yeah, that's what I grew up. I told you, man, I grew up in his, and it wasn't in his house. He he has all this stuff set up in his garage. So we just sit in the old garage and listen to country music. It's as country as country gets, I do believe. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I have a couple friends that are like that. Just sit in the shop and put on some old country records and have some beer, some whiskey, and just shoot the shit. That's it. So uh, what? So yeah. you guys are have another how many days on this tour? Oh, I think we head back to Oregon on the twenty third. Oh, so you got so a couple uh, we another got, uh, couple weeks. We got tonight, tomorrow night, and the next night here in Spearfish at the back porch. And let's see, on Friday we're down in Rapid City uh, at Murphy's Bar, 
on Saturday. We're up at the Red Lodge, uh, Pollard Hotel in Red Lodge, Montana. And then we're going up to Billings for a couple nights and then out to uh, Miles City, Montana for the Eastern Montana Fair. Um, and we're actually on the first night we're opening up for Shenandoah. Oh, so cool. That'll be, that'll be really fun. I'm excited for that. That's awesome. So have you played Billings before? I have not. I've been through Billings a number of times. I actually used to live in Montana. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I, I lived in Missoula for a while, and then I lived in, um, I, I worked in Yellowstone. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, but never never played in Billings, so it'll be fun. Before this little swing of uh, this little run of dates, how long has it been since you guys have played an actual show live other than a live stream or something like that? So we were fortunate enough, I believe, like middle of, God, when was that? Late June, maybe early July, uh, we played a an outdoor show at the patio at this at this uh, country bar in uh, Salem, Oregon. Uh, the Honky Tonk Bar and Grill. It's a honky tonk called the Honky Tonk, <laughs> and uh, but it was it was outdoors, and they were only letting like sixty people in. So we did two weekends there. Uh, and before that, our last show was March 4th. Wow. So we definitely had a little rust to shake off going into this tour. We, we practiced quite a bit. So how are you feeling now? You, you guys uh, you in the groove? Oh, after, after we played our first night in, uh, in Casper uh, to kick off the tour, we were, we were on. Tight. Yep. So what is uh what's going on with the with the, with the band coming up? So after this run, what's what's the future looking like for you guys? It's hard to say with everything going on, man. I I don't know. We we were lucky enough that all of our dates didn't get canceled. Luckily, we were booked in places that don't have a high rate of of the virus, and so they stayed open out here. And we're we're lucky enough to to do the dates that we can. Uh, we had several thousand dollars worth of business canceled though. Oh yeah, I um, imagine. This is a shell of the tour that we were supposed to be doing. Hmm. Was the plan um, from the beginning to release on August the seventh? Was that changed any by COVID or? I don't really remember how that all came to be. It was a swift thing. I didn't even come up with the album art or the title or even the title track until maybe three weeks before we released it. <laughs> was the title track the last track that you wrote for this record? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> really. It's because I, I love the title track. I thought, yeah. man, that's so cool. It makes so much sense. Yeah, you know, I tried to go the political route with without uh, really taking a side because everybody will get mad at anything today. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, everybody's everybody's so on edge. So I wanted to write a song from the perspective of somebody who goes around and plays music, and our entire industry is based on getting people in close quarters for a show. We can't do that. So I was like, what would somebody like me say? So I, I kind of wrote it for all of us musicians. We're all hurting. The, the music industry got hit hard. And then I actually didn't come up with the title at all until um, this artist out of uh, Portland, I got in touch with him and he does these, uh, his name is Bradley DeLay, a really talented guy. He, he's a tattoo artist very uh, Portland, Oregon. And he uh, also does like these little cowboy paintings. And it's very Americana, kind of like little cartoon cowboys. And I started following his Instagram page where he does these little little guys. And uh, I was like, man, that would be cool for 
Like, what if you did a cartoon of the band and that was our cover? And then we started bouncing more ideas off of each other. And uh, he sent me that photo of the innards of that old John Deere combine. Hmm. And I was like, okay, that looks cool. And it's an EP, right? So it's only a sample of, of the full album. So I could call it In the Works. And it's kind of like a, a double entendre in a sense. And then I was like, well, what have we got in the works? And then I kind of came up with the idea of of, uh, of the song in the works. So I did it kind of backwards. I don't usually write songs like that. You know, these songs are great. And we might as well listen to In the Works and play some more music. What do you think? Yeah. Love <laughs> it. Folks, they keep on asking when the record's coming out. While I grow my hair and pick guitar, because I can't leave my house. Leave it clean in a traveling band. Well, it's lost all its perks. And the best that I can tell them is that it's in the works. Well, there's lots of people suffering, and I know that it's true. Pandemic and the violence tear, it seems red, white, and blue. Problems that were never solved still causing lives to hurt. And the best that they can tell us is what they've got in the works. In the works. In the works. Give me, I'm not trying to be heard. They've been playing in a traveling band. Great. Love it. Did you record all these in Nashville? Uh, no, actually, uh, Dark Side and Storm the Gate were recorded in Nashville. The rest were recorded in Oregon. I reached a point where I wanted to record with my own live band because we were developing such a sound. So, oh. so where did you record in Portland? Uh, we recorded at a studio called The Lab uh, with a producer named John Neff. He's done work with uh, Willie Nelson. He's, he did a record with Journey mm-hmm. um, oh, wow. that I believe yeah. went, went platinum. And then I don't know if you noticed, but uh, on all the other songs, including the ones that were done in Oregon, there's a little bit of a reverb on my voice. It, it complements kind of my style of singing, just kind of fills it up a little bit. And that's an effect that a, that a lot of people use in the studio, just kind of fills out the record. On In the Works, I had them take the reverb out so it's just literally like a raw vocal because I wanted that to match the attitude of the song. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. And then... Hmm. Um, the key track is a guy by the name of Brady Goss. We shared the stage with him. We, we did one hour on, one hour off. Um, he was playing with his band at uh, Pendleton Roundup last year, big rodeo in Eastern Oregon. Um, so we, we had made that connection from playing together. I called him up. Uh, actually, Jake, we were rehearsing the song, and we were going to go into the studio the next day in the morning. So we were just working out all of our fills and, the starts and the stops and the intros and the outro, all the stuff that goes into that. And uh, Jake goes, yeah, I really feel like that song could use some piano in it, some some honky-tonk piano. And I was like, man, that's, that's a good idea. So I called Brady up, and he literally texted me back in like 15 seconds. He was like, <laughs> yep, where and when, let's go. So he came in the next day after we tracked it and then did his uh, piano part over it and that key change where we go up god was it go it goes from an a to so we go up a full step on that on that key change on the back half of that song and then when he comes in with that like old school like 
old west saloon piano style mm-hmm. almost that's my favorite part of the song see i'm not sick of in the works because we just did it all the other ones i could <laughs> i'm already ready i'm already ready to to write a whole other album because i'm sick of playing my own damn song dude i, I feel uh, your pain on that 100 <laughs> percent. yeah yeah but uh yeah i'm i'm still having fun playing uh in the works it's a fun one to do and and i always when we do it live we don't try we don't travel with a with a key player but we might have to man it's it, it makes such a difference on that song can anybody in the band play the keys for that one not like that <laughs> yeah that's the problem <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm backing up a little bit from where we are now but i'm just curious so have you always been a full-time musician or have you had a nine to five or where did where did that come into play I'm actually a sheet metal worker by trade. Okay. Um, I, I've had all kinds of jobs. I was, a, I was a sheet metal worker for about three and a half years. Uh, I've worked other construction jobs. I worked in uh, Yellowstone for a while. I was the cowboy singer for the Chuck Wagon Cookout at Roosevelt Lodge, singing Roy Rogers and Gene Autry. I did that for a while. I ran a pressure washing cl- crew in Florida. We pressure washed FedEx trucks. I had my own pressure washing company when I was in high school through my early 20s. I used to serve banquets really high-end stuff for for i i moved back to florida for a while after high school and um i worked at this this place that did uh wedding receptions lots of lots of people from up north that would come down there and and do business business banquets wedding receptions i bartended i i've done i worked at a barbecue joint for a while i've done a a, a home depot Um, (laughs) okay yeah yeah so go good music music was always uh number one for me though i always knew that i wanted to eventually transition i eventually made the decision that uh i wasn't you know putting as much work as i should be into music uh being a tin knocker so uh i stopped doing that and i I just went all in you're in south dakota now and you're you're going to move into montana are you hitting north dakota at all uh nothing in north dakota we had a a couple possible dates but they just didn't end up panning out with our, our schedule I had to ask. My son lives in Bismarck, so I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, I did a, a fair showcase in Bismarck a couple years ago. Uh, we didn't end up getting any uh, gigs out of it, but yeah, good people, fun to party with. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> they all they all drink Bush Light. I, I don't know. I don't yes, know what they do. Light. They do. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's of the all beer beers. Choice. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know what it was, but that's all they drink. That's crazy. That and uh, homemade schnapps delicious well anything homemade's gonna I, i'm not gonna you know fault that but the bush light got me a little bit on my heels yeah <laughs> you know i'm i'm not that picky <laughs> growing up in oregon there's a lot of hipster kids around that like to drink uh paps blue ribbon paps blue ribbon yeah there you so go. i mean that's pretty good when it's ice cold if it even starts to get warm though it's like it it's all puke i i, I can't i can't do warm cheap beer pbr <laughs> Yeah, like the old Milwaukee's the beast. They used to Same give it thing. away. Yeah. They used to give it away, and then it became premium. It reminds me of yeah. a story, man. Uh, when I was, I don't know, man. I think twelfth grade, maybe eleventh. I don't remember. There, there was this beer called Red Dog. I was a twenty-one-year-old eleventh grader, by the way. Uh, <laughs> me too. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that's that's the beer that quit me on beer. Cause I got so sick on that nasty crap that I said, I, you know what? I'm d- I can't do beer, so <laughs> I became a bourbon drinker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like I like a, I like a whiskey 
every now and then. I'm definitely a beer guy, though. I like a lot of craft beer. I'm mm-hmm. a product of my environment. It's, it's big out west. Oh, big, big um, out west. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do the IPA thing every once in a while. But I, I like your, your standard beer. I'll drink a Budweiser. I'll drink a Coors. So what do you think of those Dogfish 120s? They're good. Man, solid they're, beer. Yeah, very solid. 18% yeah. alcohol. 18%? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my that's, God. That's about $10 that's more than, a beer. More alcohol, more alcohol than a glass of wine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you like that, you do like IPAs. <laughs> yeah. I can't do a lot of IPAs at once, though. You kind of get that warm warm feeling in the face. <laughs> oh yeah they're definitely uh I, I know i know you guys know what i'm talking about yes bourbon, sir but, yes uh, sir had that and, one and feeling it, it makes you it makes you fat like, I'll, have, <laughs> I'll have uh i'll have maybe two or three ipas at most at a time and then i'm having you know bud or, or rolling rock or something yeah there you go something a little well when less. you consider uh a bush light's probably three percent alcohol and some of those ipas are twelve percent you better just yep. have two or three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's plenty. Um, but the alcohol that, that turned me off for the rest of my life was uh, one night I took, um, let's see, I don't want to make myself sound like too much of a crazy person. Uh, <laughs> I took, let's call it 10 shots in a row of 151. And I, again, I was, I was uh, very, very skinny. And I was, I was a 21-year-old. 11th grader, like we said. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was at this house party and we were playing some sort of drinking game and I was losing, hence the 10 shots. Uh, and it was like right in a row. Uh, oh, and goodness. then, of course, it takes a few minutes for it to hit you. So, but it hit me all at once. Mm. And all of a sudden, I was just like, it was, it was a long day the next day. My buddy, he was a pitcher on the baseball team. He had to throw me over his shoulder, put me in the back of his truck and drive me home. I was on my ass. Yeah, you're one of those guys that uh, took the 10 shots, and next thing you know, you're on. I think I've seen the video on ridiculousness of, of that night where you just uh, <laughs> stiff as a board from standing that last shot and then down. It's like, good yeah. Lord, man. You know, yeah. though, the things you don't know when you're a 21-year-old 11th grader. Yeah. yeah. So, But I learned my lesson. I, I, I have not had one drop of 151 rum ever since then. Is there really a need for 151 rum? No, oh. there's not. Oh, there's not. Other, other than uh, to turn into hand sanitizer in times of pandemics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, clean clean wounds. <laughs> Your baby's teething. You know. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Robert, we probably ought to wrap this up and let you get ready for your show coming up here soon. But we appreciate you being on Top Hill Recording Podcast. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, man. And where, uh, let us know before we get out of here, where can we find all your info, uh, your Instagram handle, everything that we can to find you? I know a lot of live streaming you do is on Instagram. So mm-hmm. if uh, people share all that so we can get that info. Okay, so Instagram, uh, which we're most active on Instagram, we have the most followers on Instagram out of any platform. Uh, Instagram is at Robert Henry Music, at Robert Henry Music. Twitter is capital R, capital H, Henry Music. Facebook is Robert Henry Band. And then uh, you can find me on YouTube. It's Robert Henry Music. And the EP is on there too. For those of you who don't have any of those streaming services, uh, subscriptions. If you have a YouTube account, you can go and listen to the album on YouTube. We got our website, robertherrymusic.com. We're selling pre-orders of the vinyl Ooh. for 20 bucks. 
I think they're they're usually I think our normal price would be like twenty five or thirty, so they're discounted, and we'll throw in a uh, beer koozie and a sticker. There you go with the pre order. Hell yeah, um, yeah. RobertHenryMusic dot com. Just click on the the store tab, and we've got hats, stickers, koozies, uh, t shirts, and then we'll have CDs. And uh, right now, like I said, the vinyl pre order. Uh, first hundred and twenty five copies, twenty bucks, and we and you get the two extra things too. And then Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music, Google Play, Amazon Music, uh, it's under Robert Henry. And and let me uh, let me be the first to say, in the works is an amazing, amazing EP. Everybody listen to it, listen to the record. I love every song. You did a phenomenal job, and I can't wait to. Not that it didn't just come out, but I can't wait to hear what the future holds for you, man. You have two new Robert Henry fans for sure. Thank you guys. Uh, and whenever you want to have me back on i'd love to to come back absolutely um, really great conversation it's it's been fun uh shooting the breeze with you guys yes it has thanks hey thank you robert all right which which song would you like to go out with uh let's let's do storm the gate or canadian border canadian border canadian cool. border yeah i think canadian border what do you think robert um i think my publicist would say play storm the gate all right let's like play storm the gate let's play storm the gate. <laughs> well you know what we can play them both <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah. hey we'll play yeah. them both so listeners yeah. stick around after the next song because there's going to be another one we'll go storm the gate first because the, the publicist gate. would say so and then we're going to go uh canadian border is that page yeah page all okay right. yeah we'll do we'll play storm the gate for page and then uh <laughs> and then we'll do canadian border and then canadian border for uh for liz my booking agent all right, that's, there you go. Canadian border uh, for Liz. Paige's, Paige's grandmother. It's a it's a family operation. Oh heck yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, that's her favorite one. Awesome. It's beautiful. All right. All right, listeners, we'll see you guys next week. Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, why won't you let me in? Why don't you like my songs that sound like misery and gin? I came to Music City with a twinkle in my eye Is there really no more room left for a simple, honest rhyme? Simple, honest rhyme They've torn down and paved over all the roots that run so deep Don't that make it kinda hard to grow? Gatekeeper, I don't wanna sing them songs I love to hate Time to storm the gate Time to storm the gate Sitting here on music row with a guitar in my hand They say, now son, there's just some things that you don't understand We want to pitch you songs we think will sell If you compromise just a little bit, then we'll all get paid well I don't think Waylon done them this way I'll be damned if Hank done them this way They've torn down and paved over all the roots that run so deep Don't that make it kinda hard to grow? Gatekeeper, I don't wanna sing them songs I love to hate Time to storm the gate Boys, it's time to make a stand I'm thunder with my
my vocals and I'm lighting with my hand I'm the only one who's in control of my own fate Time to storm the gate Time to storm the gate Gatekeeper, gatekeeper, why won't you let me on my ass that old state trooper turned right on a dime wasn't long before he pulled us over truck full of country pickers looking bad he said I know who you am you're the Robert Henry band you got a show to make a run blacker for you man thank you Drank. 
much again the night before Gotta make that show on time Back below that timber line Pour some coffee, put that pedal to the floor